Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome back to the next and second episode of Clock Out Vicarious Life. Today, I am super excited to be able to have one of my favorite people on my show. Um, I've been, I would have had him as my first guest just to be able to talk about all the fun things in life instead of all the serious things, but this man has a schedule, and he's busy, and he's always out doing cool stuff. So I will take him whenever I can get him, which is this week. So you guys have a good treat in store. Um, today's guest, we've got Robert Lester. And I'm going to let him give an intro on his background, but why Robert was chosen for my show is going to be very apparent by the end of this interview. Uh, But a couple things about Robert. I met him when he was probably 17, 18 years old. I met him at Grit Training Center here in Butte, which is a martial martial arts gym specializing in uh, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Both of us were training there. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that. But one thing that I noticed about Robert was at the young age that he was where, you know, most kids that age tend to be focused on girls, fast cars, um, non-productive in life things. Robert was totally focused on everything that required discipline and focus. Uh, he, he's just an outstanding athlete at that point and already had some huge, um, some huge goals in life. We'll go into a little bit of detail there, but graduated early from, I believe, high school. I know he graduated really fast through college. Um, but yeah, Robert is an avid mountaineer, a backcountry skier, an ice climber, a, a rock climber, a photographer. The, the list goes on and on. So with that, Welcome, Robert. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I guess first question, we're just going to roll this out. We always got to go back first. Tell me about your maverick, adventurous lifestyle, starting with where the heck you learned it. Tell me about your background, your family, a little bit about your upbringing. Um, So for me, really, like, uh, I joke that uh, what I do fits really well because my mom taught me how to ski and then my dad taught me all about adventure and exploring and things like that. Um, so really, I, I was just lucky to have those sort of outdoor influences in my life. And those sort of things were always kind of my favorite things. And they have just pushed me towards wanting to do that. You know, when, when something's your favorite thing, why not want to do it all the time? You know, right. So you didn't have those kind of parents that said, oh, this is great, but you can't make a living at it. No, they were always they were always supportive. You know, I, I don't know if they thought necessarily that I could make a living at it, but no matter what my parents, what I've wanted to do, my parents have always been incredibly supportive, you know, believe in me and doing whatever I want to do. They believe that I can find a way, so. Okay, awesome. And where'd you grow up at? I grew up actually outside of Butte in Elk Park, Montana. <gasps> oh, we have something else in common. I left that out. That's, yeah. I also grew up in Elk Park. Yeah, tell me about yeah. that. It was good. I really liked it. You know, uh, I, uh, I liked not necessarily having the traditional neighbors and the traditional childhood stuff. It was a, a good trade to be able to have, you know, some forest and some mountains right outside the door. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it was great. I loved it. 
Yeah, I, I relate heavily to that. I, I tell people all the time that you would, well, actually right now as we sit here, I have no shoes on. Um, I used to wander the mountains, no shoes, dogs running behind me on a horse, on a bike, and I would be gone for a day over the like summer, sometimes a couple days at a time, just wandering and exploring. I mean, did you have that same kind of yeah, Fun. when uh, when I was little, me and my cousin used to beg my dad to let us go sleep in the mountains overnight and not come back to the house for a few days. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of times he'd let us, but one time it was like it was like late September, and mm-hmm. we went up there, and then uh, he actually came and got us. But we were probably only like seven and nine. Yep. <laughs> but uh, he came and got us because it started snowing. The next morning, there was like a foot and a half of snow. Oh, it yeah. was really good that he went and got us. <laughs> Anyone, any of the listeners that are in this area that know Elk Park, it's we call it Siberia. It's a good, it's an inversion up there, and it is a good 10 degrees at all times colder. Um, the snow, it, I mean, we have records. I don't even know how yeah. many weather-related records Elk Park has beat. So, yeah, your dad was a smart man in bringing him <laughs> back. Um, how about siblings? I'm an only child. Um you know, people kind of, it's one of those questions where people ask you, what was it like being an only child? But I, I usually counter with what's it like having siblings? You know, you never <laughs> knew anything else. It just right. was how life was. Yeah. So I had a lot of, like I said, cousins and family that was close and a lot of friends that were great. Um, but yeah, only child growing up. And I, I, you know, I don't know what it was like compared to anybody else because I don't have anything to compare right. it to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so with that, how old are you now? And what? I just turned 25. Sorry. 25. Yeah. So somebody told me the other day, I was, t- I was talking about you and they said, oh, he's got to be 25 by now. And I said, there's no way Robert's 20, 21. I just like time flies. <laughs> time flies. Because I think when you were at Grit, you were... I was probably either 17 or 18, right around yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we've known each other almost coming up on 10 years yeah. now. And, you know, obviously you're out doing cool things. I'm out doing things the opposite direction, so we don't see each other all the time. But it's Not been really much. cool, yeah. like, watching you grow up and Thank turn you. into a, a very admirable young man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay. So what does a typical, I mean, just tell me in general, what are you doing with your life right now? Uh, I know that you went to college, so you can def- please hit on that. I think you graduated high school early if I no, recall. No, not high school. I, I graduated college early. Um, I went to MSU in Bozeman. I graduated with a snow science degree. Um, time out. Yeah. I remember asking you, what the hell is a snow science degree? And now I know it's yeah. cool, but make sure our listeners know how cool it is. So it's, it's part of the earth science program over there, specializes in kind of some weather, glacier, avalanche-related classes. Um, For me, it was something where after high school, I had realized, like, I didn't want a job inside that I was going to spend a lot of time inside. I wanted to have something where I could go outside, enjoy myself, have fun. Um, And so I I basically started looking for something that would head me a career path that direction. Uh, After finishing college, I've kind of not pursued that stuff as Mm -hmm. much and just tried to enjoy, you know, the athlete side of it and trying to to enjoy life for as long as I can until I, you know, maybe one day have to go get that real job, but hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not if you do things right, which it seems to me like you're doing things right. So what, what does your life look at you? This, this podcast obviously is vicarious life, which means that there are a ton of people, I believe 25,000 plus people on Instagram think that you're really wicked (laughs) cool, right? You're an inspirer, I think is what they, influencer. What do they call you? I I think people do say that, you know, I don't necessarily think think of it that way uh uh if I can lend some inspiration to people that's wonderful you know uh it's not necessarily something that I 
uh, consistently think about. But, sure. you know, like if I'm able to help some people do some things that are more impressive in their life or help their lives somehow, that's like the least I could do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I will. I will attest to that, too. Another huge, awesome memory, fond memory I have is I was up at Discovery Ski Hill. We're not big skiers like Robert is, by the way. Uh, and I, I, you know, maybe a step or two above the bunny trail for myself, but I was teaching my daughter Grace how to ski. And when you don't really know how to ski, I'm not sure who has business teaching their daughter. And I look over and there's, there's Robert and he sees Grace and he comes up because backing up to grit. So Robert knows my youngest daughter, Grace, from Grit because he was her instructor. He used to teach her Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, she's a little badass. She's, uh, she had a lot of potential going, and she's straight away from that for right now. But anyway, so they knew each other, and they saw each other on the hill. And Robert was so kind that he spent, I would say, the bulk of his day taking Grace up and down the bunny hill, just teaching her how to ski, I'm assuming in hopes that she would probably like and fall in love with skiing like he did. Uh, and she talked about that for years, years on end. She's like, oh yeah, she's like, I'm a really good skier because Robert showed me. And she had like, I think she was probably, what, seven, maybe eight, nine at that time. Yeah. So yeah, I've got pictures that um, she still has one in her room too. It's a picture of her going up the ski hill on the bunny hill and you guys are sitting right next to each other like best friends. It was the coolest thing. So, um, but yeah, so tell me about some of your activities. Where have you been? What do you do? Give me all your adventurous lifestyle. Um, so I, I'm pretty lucky. I, uh, in the winter, I, I spend most of my time skiing, you know, some backcountry skiing, some skiing at the resorts. So I get to travel around, do that, uh, and then still be based out of Montana. And then in the summer, it's kind of more of the, the mountain climbing and then the rock climbing side of things and doing the same. That I'm really lucky that I get to travel to a lot of places and see a lot of beautiful things in the mountains when I'm out there. And uh, like I said, I, I know I've just said I'm lucky twice, but I, I really can't uh, uh, communicate enough how lucky I am um, that I have such a, a great lifestyle and that I'm able to do these things. Yeah, so. I saw a while back one of my coworkers actually pointed it out when I said that you were coming in to talk. She, she says, is that the guy that skied on the slag pile? I'm like, yeah, probably. I don't know. But I looked it up and sure enough... Tell me about that. What was... Yeah, that was... It was something that I had actually always looked at. So driving to Discovery, in between Butte and Discovery, there's uh, Anaconda and a bunch of mining slag on the left side. And, uh, and for the it, listeners, what is, what is slag? It's, it's like the byproduct after uh, the refining process. And then in this case, it's been crushed into like a, a fine sand sort of thing. But it's really gritty, really sharp. But... Uh, for a long time, I had, when I was a little kid, you'd look over at it on the drive to go skiing, and I'd look at it and think, man, like, could you ski that? And I wanted to for years and years and years, and then uh, uh, two summers ago, I did it for the first time, and then last summer, I did it again, so That's it was crazy. interesting. Yeah. So did you just walk up there, or did you have to get a permit? Like, how did... Uh, so I, there were some, there was some, it was interesting, so it's owned by Arco BP, and then there's some... Uh, it was being leased at the time to a, uh, a company called Black Diamond Abrasives who was using it to do sandblasting and things like that. And uh, both times we were there, we had permission from both sets. Uh, there was some controversy about that. But uh, 
We did. And the guy who was running the plant, uh, the Black Diamond Abrasive plant, was there with us the whole time. He was super nice. I didn't have to walk up. It was really nice that he, he drove me to the, drove us to the top, helped us out, was, was there watching the whole time, thought it was really interesting, thought it was cool. So it was really neat. I was really worried at very first. Like I said, it's really abrasive. It's like sand. I, uh, the very first time I got, I was incredibly nervous that I was going to point my skis down this thing straight down oh. and I wasn't going to move that yeah. I'd just be like crawling at like a quarter mile an hour. But yeah. luckily it worked. It was good. Yeah. It was a lot of fun and it was, uh, not something I'd ever want to do again or really not even something I'd recommend. It wasn't like right. it was a blast or anything <laughs> like that. It was more just cause I had wanted to do it and something that was interesting and something that was different, you know? And that sounds just like you. Most people like drive past there and like, well, that'd be cool to put my name up there in sticks. And that's <laughs> yeah. what just, or people propose to people in, in sticks and you just go ski it. That's very yeah, Robert. That was cool. <laughs> um, okay. So how about what are, what is your favorite activity of the ones we've talked about? We've, so, so you do some mountaineering, some ice climbing, some rock climbing, obviously skiing backcountry and regular uh, photography. Am I missing any activities first? Uh, no, Surfing, I mean, yes. Yeah, a, a little of everything, you know. If you're in a in a beautiful place that has something, like I don't surf a lot, but uh, if you're someplace that has an opportunity for you to surf, like it's something that I'd love to do and it's, you know, something that's amazing to go try and stuff like that. So, okay. yeah. Um, as far as a favorite activity, I think I'm really lucky that I kind of end up with these seasons. So, like... You know, uh, I'm definitely probably the best thing I am at is skiing by far. Like, there's no doubt. But uh, it's, I'm lucky that, you know, by kind of by the end of ski season, I'm pretty excited to rock climb. And then, you know, like by the time the summer's starting in, I'm like, man, I'm getting kind of excited for ice climbing again. And, you know, so it's, it's nice that you always have the next thing to look forward to, the next thing to get excited about. Sure, sure. Totally. Um, What's the coolest place you've ever been? I've seen Hawaii. I think, right? Yeah. Like a week, I remember seeing you down there. I'm like, how does he go to Hawaii? Like, I, I've never even been to Hawaii at that time. So yeah, tell me some of the places that you've been. Um, Like I said, I haven't done much like international travel. Um, I hope to eventually, but kind of for me, I've always thought that like, there's so many amazing things right here in the United States and especially here in the West that are right in our backyard that a lot of people are, are running places to like Europe and things like that. Um, I always had a lot of friends that wanted to go out of the country and have never even been to Yellowstone or Glacier. Crazy. And like, you know, that's right in our backyard and we're lucky. So for me, you know, I've done most of my traveling around the Western United States, a little uh-huh. into Canada, stuff like that. Sure. Um, and like I said, I'd like to go some other places one day. But for me now, like, you know, I want to see what's here before yeah. I, you know, need to branch out. Yeah, no, that that so. is a really awesome perspective because it feels like a lot. It feels more authentic, I guess. There are a lot of people that for the sake of status want to say that they've gone to, you know, Everest or they've done all when in fact they haven't even done their own backyard yet. Right. There. And it's 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 great. I myself have never been to Glacier. And here's just a fun fact. I would have been there a million times over, but they don't allow dogs. Oh Can't, yeah, the national parks don't. National the dogs, parks, yeah. yeah. And I and I have not backpacked at all because I myself too. I love backpacking, hiking, mountain biking. Uh, if I can't take my dog somewhere, I'm not going just because that's a very tight bond that I have right. with my with my dogs. So, I, but I so su- I so appreciate that. But me as a local Montana, I have never been to Glacier, and it's pathetic. And I when tourists come here, I mean, I meet people. Just this summer alone, and I went to five or six 
seven different states for training. And everybody that I told I was from Montana, they're like, oh my gosh, you've been to Glacier, you've been to Yellowstone. And I had to kind of like, like cower down in shame because I'm thinking, "Eh, I drove through Yellowstone on my Harley and I went there as a kid for five days. But so I, I really admire that. That's a very honest and authentic answer. It's not status driven, I feel like. Um, big plans, I guess, for travel. Do you have anywhere that you're planning right now? Do you have a trip that's on your schedule? No, I, I don't have anything right now that's uh, really set in stone. Um, probably, you know, we end up with a lot of like more local trips, things within, I mean, I guess maybe not even local, but things within eight hours, you know, that are sure. like drivable. You can reach a lot of stuff. And a lot of that ends up more on like the month scale planning for me. I'm pretty lucky, like I said, that I don't have a a really rigid schedule. Sure. So uh, it ends up more on like a month planning style. I don't necessarily right now have anything farther out than that or anything big okay. that's that's yeah. coming up, you know. Like and day to day. Yeah, exactly. And we're, you know, like a lot of times in the fall and the springs where I'm taking a lot of trips because right now in Montana, like we're really lucky. The summer's one of yeah. the nicest places to have a summer. It's beautiful. This year we've had more rain and not as many fires. It's been it's been a wonderful summer to be here. Yeah, and it'll probably be a long summer too yeah, in hopefully. comparison because yeah. we won't get smoked out with all the fires. Uh, two so two questions on that. What do you do for a living? Anything? Um, yeah, so I I kind of do a little uh, a little of a lot of things. You know, okay. like with the skiing and climbing, I I get. Uh, some sponsorships and I do some advertising for companies and things like that and then I also you know in these places like you said I, I don't consider myself a photographer there's a lot of people who put a lot of time into it but oh, wow. uh, you're just I, naturally amazing at it because no no not at all I uh, I have it easy I go to these beautiful places it's not very <laughs> hard to take a beautiful picture in a beautiful place you know it takes a lot more effort for some of these people to do some really incredible photos. I'm lucky that I just happen to be in these beautiful places yeah. hauling around a camera. Um, so I do do some things like sell some photos once a year around <laughs> Christmas, try and sell some photos. Um, and then just, you know, different projects, different things I can do. And then if I have to, I, I usually pick up some odd jobs here and there to supplement the income if I need to. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's good. Entrepreneur style, yeah, I mean, a bit. but not with a hard-driven focus on money, it sounds like. It sounds like you're living life now, would you say? Or yeah, definitely. I Sometimes I like to joke that I'm I'm retired now, and then when I'm 65, I'll be a greeter at Walmart for I the rest that. of my life. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, you know, I, I just have realized that for me right now, the the time I would trade for almost any amount of money isn't currently worth it for my life. You know, yes. like that could change, you know, in six months, it could change longer than that. But for me right now, like you could offer to pay me huge sums of money. And to me, like the trade just wouldn't be worth it. You know, um, the time that I would need to put into that is more valuable to me than, than the money would be. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a another very. Have I mentioned how wise and humble you are? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I I've said that in a different way, not so perfect, and in a kind of almost hypocritical way because, um, you know, people ask me all the time. They're like, "Man, you're you're you need to take a day off. You work too hard. You work too hard." And that's because for me right now, I am desperately trying to get my financial situation, you know, ready so that I can retire completely by forty five, but would I be able to do any of the things that you're doing right now at 45 considering 
I've never done them before. No, I'm, I'm not going to be, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to do the cool things like you. Uh, the skill, the time that it takes to, to get to the levels that you're at to be able to do some of these physical things, your health. I mean, we're not guaranteed a day. And at 45, uh, 50, some people, like you said, most people retire at, I mean, they say 62, but realistically, there's people that don't ever retire. Right. And they don't do cool things. So whatever order you're going to do it in, I think that your uh, your method is very admirable. And, Thank you. And uh, wise, just, you know, because most people, you, you know, any thoughts on the system? Uh, this is something I talked with people about all the time. I mean, did you, you, you went to college, but people, you, you said your parents encouraged you to do what it was that you wanted to do. But I mean, do you ever give in or feel like maybe you should give in to the pressures of marriage, a career, you know, going down that typical path? I mean, does that ever, do you ever have moments? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I think is inevitable to, to think about, right? Mm-hmm. It's times, but kind of the way I view all of that stuff is similar to what you were saying about, you know, you're working as hard as you can now so that you can be free at 45, right? Mm-hmm. I look at a lot of life and a lot of those things as, as a trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't have it all, but we can have, you know, whatever, a few things, 10 mm-hmm. things or whatever it is. So for me, you know, like I wouldn't be able to live my lifestyle if I currently had, you know, a wife or kids or mm-hmm. a career even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one day I, you know, wouldn't be able to raise children in a, you know, in a great way if you don't somewhat have a, you know, a substantial income, etc. So just whatever it is, whether it's time and health or time and money or whatever combination, you know, I, I think that the system, you know, is set up in a certain way. People like to blame it, but really it's whatever you're willing to trade off to get the lifestyle you have. You know, you have to make certain sacrifices. You can't have it all, but you can have some great things. You just got to pick which ones are for you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. How about, so planning for the future, do you have any, do you do any sort of passive income? Do you do any in investing or is that just, you're still playing right now and going to figure that part out? Uh, yeah, I, so actually for me, like my, uh, since I was little, it was a, a big part of my life just with who my, my father was always big on, you know, saving money and that being an important thing. Um, so for me personally, like, I, I do my best to save money where I can, to put money away where I can and do things like that. And then, again, it's kind of that same thing that, you know, I probably might not be putting it enough away for the future, what sure. some people would consider. But then, like, I also kind of look at a lot of that, like, that that's not guaranteed, right? Like, yeah. I could build up a huge retirement, but, I, you know, I could get in – it. I don't mean to be morbid, but I could get in a car crash and get killed in two years and that money's, you know, not worth anything to me personally. So like, I I think it's kind of that same thing where it's, uh, where it's a trade off. I do believe like strongly in, you know, doing my best to, to save money and doing my best to, um, I, uh, for me personally, a big part of it's not just saving, but not trying to have reincurring bills and things like that. You said that was going to be my next thing. I, I remember with you being younger, having a very, very simple, paid off, modest vehicle. You were never showboaty. You never had all the fancy um, showboaty type of things. You were just kind of doing you and doing the activities that you love rather than having all of the expensive type of things. And I do remember um, I sold a building for your dad one time on a uh, somewhere along the line. And he, he did. He, he had investments as a you for you as a child. You got to see all of that as well. So 
um, living within your means. And then when the time comes to be able to start tucking away more and more and more. Yeah. And and I think I'm lucky that a lot of those extravagant things don't appeal to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, and I truly believe that that's, you know, pretty, pretty fortunate for myself that, you know, like I, I don't care if I have a sports car or anything like that. It, It just doesn't have much appeal to me so right. you know I've escaped some of those pressures just by almost by accident you know right yeah that's that is a very again admirable at the age of 25 it's it's such a rare quality probably one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on this show too is just the mindset that comes with with your lifestyle is very cool as well Thank um you. how about your camp. I remember I was trying to think of the name of it and it's escaped me. I apologize. But we we saw in the last couple months some advertising for a very cool camp that I think our community could benefit from. Did it happen? What is it? Yeah. So I, I did. Uh, this was the first year. Like you said, uh, in the past, I've done some stuff with working with kids at places like the martial arts places in town and things like that or at Discovery. And uh I haven't been doing that. I haven't had the time necessarily mm-hmm. to do those sorts of things, but I am. it's one of my bigger passions in life mm-hmm. is to give back to kids and to work with kids, and I really enjoy it. I have a blast, and I, I personally think it's one of the most important things we can do. I think that the biggest way any of us can impact the future is to impact kids. Right. Um, and so basically I just was, you know, at the, at the beginning of the summer I was kind of sitting there and I was thinking, man, I didn't you know I'm not gonna have anything this summer where I'm helping with any groups of kids like I should be Mm -hmm. so I just kind of tried to set up we did one overnight camp and then we did one day camp um and just tried to get kids around outside Mm -hmm. make sure that they don't have their phones get them to try some adventurous things that they haven't probably had a chance to try and a lot of these things you know I didn't start rock climbing till later but a lot of these things that we were doing are things that my dad took me out and let me do, which I was really lucky. So I just want to hopefully get some of these kids to get excited about something outdoors or at very least, like I said, get some time off the phones or out in front of the screens. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible because you're right. At 25 years old to be able to have the, the, um, the calling or the purpose to kind of know that that's something that you quote unquote should do is is awesome I mean like people think that they have to have a ton of money to make any impact or they think that they have to have some sort of big um, role in in the community that some badge or something to make an impact and it's not I mean like the the story I told you about grace on the ski hill I mean that was something it was so simple it took nothing for you I mean you rode the bunny hill you you did sacrifice a day of skiing I know that you went up and did a couple runs on your own and came back and after she was done with lunch, but those little things that you did impacted her life in such a positive way. I mean, we fast forward now, she's 13 years old. She still talks about you. She just told me last week that she ran into you and it was like the highlight of her month. So uh, appreciate how much you give back to the community through kids. Well, and kind of like you said, I think that that's one of the, one of the best things about giving back to kids for all of us and wherever you are is that, you know, like some things do take that you need some money or you need some role to, to have an impact. But the greatest part about kids is that, you know, it doesn't take anything but a little bit of your time, you know, it doesn't take any money. Yeah. All you have to do is give a little bit of, you know, what you have freely to kids at any point and it makes a way bigger impact than it does on adults or that it does on, you know, 
the environment's something that is, you know, super great to, to work towards and super important. And we need to figure out, you know, ways to positively impact the environment. But those sort of things are, are mind bogglingly big tasks where helping one kid and impacting them is, is simple. And it's, it's simple, impactful, and you can see the outcome. Like you can see it. It's great. It's wonderful. So like, I think that that's, you know, something people should often think about is that they can also impact these kids. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't take much. It doesn't take near as much as you might think. Yeah. So. Do what, and you're doing what you can with what you have right now. And like you said, you're, you know, you're an, I'm not an Instagram person, you're an influencer or whatever by those statuses. But in the real important thing is that you're, you're loved by kids for the, the, the amount of time and attention that you share with them too. Um, which switch back over. So old lifestyle where I originally met you through martial arts. Tell me a little bit about that because I left that off of this, all of these activities. Are you still training and what in the, in the past have you trained in regards to martial arts? So I, I did uh, actually, so it, this ties in really well. Um, a big part of my passion for kids and things like that is because I, I started training martial arts as uh, I was either four or five. I was a young kid and a guy who's another, he's really into the outdoors, but he's also into helping kids. His name's John Atman. He's a professor at Montana Tech here in Butte. Mm, amazing and, human. Being. Yeah, a great human. Yes. And he had a huge impact on my life through through those sort of things, through martial arts. And then later, you know, we I'd ski with him and his daughters things like that. John is, is an incredible, amazing person. And, uh, he started me in, you know, in martial arts on that journey. I, uh, I don't these days get in and train Mm -hmm. anywhere as much as I I used to. It was a big focus on my life for a long time. And then it was also kind of when I was in college, I was doing some MMA, doing some things like that. Um, and like I said, I miss it. I don't make it enough, but it was kind of at a point where I, I kind of had to choose whether I was going to pursue this path of being, you know, uh, a professional style MMA fighter or choose kind of the mountain lifestyle. And it was really hard, but it was one of those things where I wasn't being as great at either as I could be. So, you know, you're like sacrificing for both from the other one kind of ending up, you know, just not as, as excellent as I could be. So I, I chose to go this route and, uh, I still keep it as part of my life and try and make it and do some stuff when I can. Yeah. So I feel that very, very deeply, uh, the same, you know, I, I trained with, uh, here in town and then I switched and went to another little gym and absolutely loved it. It's a huge part. I love the discipline. I love more than anything, the people and the connections and the relationships that you make in martial arts in general. But same thing. It's exactly what you described uh, about, I don't know, it was December. So I did my uh, first fight last October and afterwards, you know, I trained until about December and the same thing. I was like, man, it's take, it takes so much mental energy for me because I want to do the best that I can. And I want to have my focus there and I want to, you know, stay up on all the different things and have study time in my mind, whatever. But physically I've got other things to do too. And, you know, injuries happen too. Uh, and I had to make that same decision. I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to take a break for this. And this year, all I'm doing is mountain biking and hiking because same. I'm like, man, the, the for me, the connection with nature the, in my busy professional life, that's therapy as well. It's my time away from people. It's my time to just be quiet and be uh, to be just be and not have the noise. 
And with martial arts, the training aspect, no problem. But when the pressure that you put on yourself to continually get better and excel, and um, it was kind of conflicting a little bit with that need to be balanced and at peace. Yeah, definitely. And it's just another one of those things where, you know, you... Sadly, we can't have everything in life. So you got to, you know, you got to choose what trade-offs you you want and what you're willing to give up to be better at something else or what you're, you know, willing to cut out, those sort of things. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's, you know, it's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. The the theme of this podcast is quickly becoming trade-offs and compromises because that's really, that's what you've described a lot is that you've just continually made conscious decisions for to sacrifice one thing for something else. And I mean, that's life (laughs) in a nutshell. Drop the mic, boom. (laughs) Um, Yeah, before we wrap this up, I guess with you, you are a huge idol to so many kids. I know that. And people, I mean, there's not a person in, in my office when I said your name, they're like, oh, I know that guy. So you are obviously... Some somebody that people look up to. You have a life that people want to aspire to. Who in who has impacted your life the most? Is there one person? Do you have one or two people that really um, were big mentors? So uh, a few people, like I said, John Atman, like I talked mm-hmm. about before, he was a huge impact on my life. Still, someone that's in my life and has been been great to me. And his daughters and I have always been. We're all about the same age, pretty close. Um, I love all of them. They've been huge inspirations to me. Um, and then another person was around that same uh, idea, Marisa Padula. She was, uh, she's another professor at tech was doing judo at a young age. She's actually an Olympian. Okay. Um, and a two time Olympic coach, I believe, but she had a huge impact on my life as well. And then, like I said, I'm really lucky to have had incredible support from my parents. You know, that if I would have, told them that I wanted to do, you know, anything, even if it seemed crazy, they, you know, they would have never not believed in me. They believed in anything that I had chosen to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have had, you know, those, those major people, but also just tons and tons of minor people who've played a huge influence in my life. And I've been lucky to be surrounded by so many great people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Those Great answer. And, and I can see that perfect combination, too, because Atman, I mean, John Atman, crazy man, just a crazy man, always doing something different and with so much passion and intensity. But he can he, the second that you ask, uh, you know, a question, he'll he'll shut off the, the drive, the passion, the intensity and just listen. And he's so calm with with his like his expressions. I mean, fantastic teacher. I was fortunate enough to be able to be in a some of his judo classes and um, just being around him. He's, and my favorite thing about John is his relationship with his daughters. That man is like the dad of the century, in my opinion. Yeah, is, I agree completely. Oh, and his daughters are amazing. He's, he's just a quality, quality human, me- human being. Yeah, and I talk about somebody who, like you said, always has a ton of things going. Yes. He's, you know, he's doing 75 different outdoor activities, indoor activities, and another person who's who's incredibly humble. Uh, little story. This is more yes, for you please. than anybody. But uh, <laughs> we went. Uh, he was guiding in the summer uh, two summers ago down by Gardner by Yellowstone National Park in uh, guiding whitewater rafting. And we're down there, and we're uh, we're down there to just fill up some boats for him. They have to do some test boats, do some runs, and then there was a customer who had showed up. This uh, these two 
elderly ladies and their grandson or maybe grandnephew, something like that. Anyway, they ask him what he does during the summer, and he, he goes, oh, I just teach gym. And it's a man <laughs> who has, he has a PhD <laughs> and, you know, does all these things, really, uh, you know, incredible person, professor, yeah. you know, but instead he goes, oh, I just teach gym. Just and a it's gym just, teacher. Yeah, yeah, been one of my favorite quotes from John Adam. Oh just a gym teacher. My, so. So we're on the subject just because of other great men, but just a quick story for you. The very first time I met him was at Grit, and I, it took me, I, I pulled up to, by the way, guys, Grit is the... Uh, martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I showed up there. I'd wanted to train jiu-jitsu for probably five years, scared to death. I drove up, stopped, got scared, left, came back two days later, whatever. It took me like a week to finally walk in the front door. I'm terrified. And the first time I actually get in there to do class, he's a guest instructor. And he stands up on the line and, you know, and I'm told at the front desk, you know, this is going to be very easy. You're going to do some basic roles. You're just going to kind of be, it's going to be more talk than anything. You can just watch. And he comes out crazy man. And he says, all right, guys. And he starts his, his, uh, warm up. And as you know, his first thing that he does is throws himself and does a, a, a you know, a roll into a, uh, back break false, you know, stand up thing. And I'm so he's like throwing himself in basically to me, it looks like he just did a front flip and landed it in the splits. Like that's what, <laughs> that's how intense it looked. And I turned around and looked at the door and I'm like, do I go, do I stay? And I almost bailed out of there, but then everybody just started following him and they just, uh, and then he was, and he recognized that and he came up to me and he's like, Oh no, this isn't that scary. Come on, let's do it. And he just worked with me and I stuck with it for years and years. And yeah, he's a, Incredible person, wonderful yes. influence on my life. I, yes. I was incredibly lucky to have had him in my life. Yeah, and so. how cool is that that you get to play that, pay that forward with others? I mean, there's going to be probably an equal amount of young kids in this world that are going to sit back when they're 25, 30 and be like, man, Robert was such an, a huge impact. I mean, my daughters already say that. They think that you're just amazing. And you're 25. I, I will be, if I can have any sort of that kind of impact, I'll be incredibly blessed, incredibly <laughs> lucky. Have I mentioned so. the humble part? <laughs> okay, guys. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, if you guys look in the description, I'll make sure that I put um, all of the links where you can find Robert and all of his cool adventures so that you can live vicariously through him. If it's, whether it's through Instagram or Facebook, reach out, shoot him a message, tell him if some of the cool things you think he's doing. And again, a big shout out to John Atman as well for his impact on the community. And thank you so much. Thank you.